0: See y'all here today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the 19th chapter of the book of Genesis, put you a bookmark there, and then I want you to flip over to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Genesis the 19th chapter, and put you a bookmark there, and that's going to be our main text for the day. But then flip over to Luke the 17th chapter. Uh, because I, as I set up this sermon this evening, uh, I'm going to be referring to that, that particular chapter, and uh, I'm not going to read it. Y'all can read as well as I can, but uh, uh, you need to be looking, starting about verse 20 there in the 17th chapter of Luke. Now, in these days that we're in again now, I hope that you spend a certain amount of time Concentrating and in prayer. And if you concentrate on what's going on and you're praying about what's going on, we will see how God has been changing things for our good. Now, you may say, Well, now, Pastor, how can you say he's changing things for our good? Because when we pray, we see that our petitions have been heard. Prayers have been answered, and I'll just throw in a quick for instance there. Here it's been dry all this time, and we prayed for rain and prayed for rain, and boom, we got moisture. You know, we're, we're not nowhere near out of the woods, and I'm not saying that we are, but God has answered our prayer. And I believe that we continue to pray. God will continue to answer our prayers and send more rain. But we see that, and that's just one of many. That's not the only prayer that has been answered, but also that needs have been met. We see that if we are praying and concentrating, you know, we see that God has manifested himself in the presence of his people and has made himself known. So, so I feel the urge to ask you this evening, do you feel the change? Do you feel a change? Have you have felt a shift in the atmosphere? Well, if you have seen a change, felt a change, and if you feel a shift, I think that I need to tell you, don't look back. Don't look back. Now there's a reason I tell you this, and we see this if you're looking in that 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, like I said, beginning about verse 20, you will see that Jesus makes a very simple statement that relates to a very big problem, and that is the key and the ability to be able to walk away from our old life The person that we were before we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and into our new life. You see in that 17th chapter of Luke, you see Jesus talking to the Pharisees. They were always challenging Jesus, always questioning Jesus. And there they are, and he sees it as an opportunity to teach his disciples But when Jesus starts teaching his disciples and he says, you have to get away from your old life and live in your new life. But the problem is, is that it seems as though our past wants to call us back to where we used to be. It seems as though our past loves to come back and haunt us. But I can hear the word of God saying, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back to and on the negatives of our lives. It's so easy to do that. Stop looking back at what used to be. Stop looking back at what could have been. Look at what God has done for you. You see that statement in the 17th chapter of Luke. Look in verse 32. It, you know, Jesus made the statement there. He says, remember Lot's wife. Mm-hmm. Why did he say that? You see, that's, when he says that, that's kind of sandwiched between Jesus' discussion on how God's judgment came upon man while he went through his everyday life thinking of the great things that he would do for us tomorrow. Talking about the great things that Jesus would do for us tomorrow. And between his discussion on how a changed life will keep us from a destructive end. And in the middle of that he says, remember Lot's wife. Because what did Lot's wife, and we're going to read it here in a minute, what did she do? She looked back. She looked back and though the Lord gave this lesson about getting out of our old lives. And and, and people were thinking about what is Jesus going to do for us? The good things he's going to do for us tomorrow. He said a changed life will keep us from a destructive end. For some that heard Jesus, it brought only their destruction. Why? Because they could not accept him as the son of God. Now, when we talk about this text and we see Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of stone, after she looked back, she looked back on the city of Sodom where she lived, and it was being destroyed by God. Now, my question to you is this. Why? Why was Lot's wife turned to a pillar of stone after she looked back at Sodom? Was it because she disobeyed the command that the angels gave her? Or, be careful, or, you know, and they were fleeting when she looked back. Or was it because the reason she looked back? Now I got you thinking, don't I? There was one or two of you when I said that was nodding your head yes. Then I threw that other one in there, and that changed the whole perspective, didn't it? Now I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to answer my own question. I'm going to say she was punished for both. Because in our story, we know that God did not want her or anyone else looking back because he wants us to trust his direction for our lives, for our future lives. Because God knows that when we are looking back, and here's the thing, God knows the reason we are looking back. We're saying in our hearts that we miss where we came from. We are saying in our hearts that we are unsure about where we're going. We are saying in our hearts, most of all, that we are not clear where God is leading us. Now, I want you to flip over there to Genesis, the 19th chapter. Now, if you look in the previous chapter, chapter 18 of Genesis... You will see there, the Bible tells us how Abraham petitioned the Lord about his family that was in this wicked place called Sodom. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And I can hear the man of God, Abraham, asking God to spare the city if he could find some righteous people in that city. Now, if you're in that 18th chapter of of Genesis, you will see that Abraham made his opening bid at 50 people. He said, God, if I can just find 50 righteous people in that city, will you spare that city? But then he thought about it for a minute, and he said, now, wait a minute, maybe... 40 would be a little bit more of a realistic number. But then he gets to thinking about it, and he said, now, God, wait a minute. I've kind of been thinking about this, and I asked self, and I said, self, maybe 40 is unrealistic. I've seen some of those people, and I know their reputation. Maybe we ought to drop that down to 30. But then he thinks about it says, well, maybe twenty would be a better number. Twenty be, brief. I think twenty is a doable thing, God. Twenty people will you spare that city. And then he thinks about it, says, Hang on. I got one more deal for you, God. I'll do, let's go to ten. Let's just ten righteous people will you spare that city. Do you notice that Abraham, he went from fifty down to 10. That makes me wonder, how often do we do the same thing when we know God's hand is upon us and we're wheeling and dealing with God and we say, now God, if you'll just take care of this, I'm going to do this. I'll start going to church every Sunday. But then we think about, well, now wait a minute, God, okay, if you'll get me out of this predicament, I'll start reading my Bible every day. But then we think about it. We say, wait a minute, God. I've rethought this. Maybe you get me out of this wreck I'm in, and I'll start praying. How about that? Well, I need to get back to our line of that. Let me ask you something here. Think of all this line. My question to you today is, now you remember we went from 50 to 10. What if we was talking about Melvin, Texas? Could we find 10 righteous people in Melvin, Texas to save this city or whatever city you live in? Could we find 10 righteous people Now I'm even going to go a little step further, and I'm going to minimize that. Could we find ten righteous people in this church to save the city of London? Or could we find ten righteous people in any church to save the city that that church is in? Now I want you to think about that. Because it's real easy for us to say, oh yeah, you see, Abraham, he he said, oh, you know, let's start out with 50. Yeah, that's a pretty good And then he whittled it all the way down to 10. Now in this 19th chapter, we see that the Bible tells us that the Lord sent two angels to save Abraham's family. So we're going to begin reading now in the 19th chapter of Genesis, beginning in verse 1. And this is going to be kind of lengthy, so you bear with me. But we'll get through this together. This is a real neat story. 19th chapter, Genesis, beginning in verse 1. Y'all there? Amen? Amen. And there came two angels to ...to Sodom at evening, in the evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them. Thus were both... uh Uh-oh. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry. All night, or spend all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street, or open plaza, all night. And he pressed upon them, or urged them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did break unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around, or surrounded the house, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. That word, no, meant to have their way with them sexually. And Lot went out at the, at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man, Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do unto them as is good or as you wish in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Look what Lot is offering there. Lot is offering up his two daughters in order to save the two men or the two angels. Of God, And they said, stand back, verse 9, and they said again, this one fellow came in to serve, join, or to stay a little while, and he will needs to be judged, or keeps acting to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house to them and, and shut to the door. And they smote or struck the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were wearied themselves to find the door. And the man said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thy house in, hath in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen, or has grown great, before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons in laws which married his daughters, and said, Up! Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law, or joked. Let me tell you this. There are many, and I hate to say this, there are many in the church right now that can hear the man of God telling them that they are out of order that their direction is out of order. They are operating out of order, and, and they will laugh in their face and make light of the situation. Verse 15, And when the morning arose, the angels hastened, or urged to hurry up Lot, saying, Arise, Take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity or the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid, laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and set him without the city, or outside the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth, abroad or or abroad, that he said, or they said, Escape from for thy life, look not behind thee, neither shalt thou in all the plain escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. That word consume is destroyed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O oh, let me escape thither, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted, or favored thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come thither, or arrive there. We can't get started destroying the city till you get where you need to be. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven and he overthrew those cities or devastated those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife, get this, but his wife, Lot's wife, looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Now, we see that there's where the disobedience Came. Uh, uh, the Bible says that his wife, Lot's wife, looked back behind him and became a pillar of salt, and that was their only instruction not to look back. That is the title of my sermon today, Don't Look Back. Now we see in verse 26, that, that Lot's wife looked back and in so doing was turned into a pillar of salt. And what I want you to understand in this verse is this. We need to understand the original language. The Hebrew language has the words looked back just like the King James Version has. And then that indicates and the reason I'm hammering this home was that, that when she looked back she took a longing look upon the city, as if I really don't want to leave this place, as if I'm leaving something behind that I really want. You see, a look back that indicated she wanted what was left there in that city and not what God had saved her from, all because she wanted to look back. I don't know if it was the screaming. I don't know if it was the lights, if it was the music, if it was the party, if it was her friends, if it was her job, or if it was her kind folks. All I know is the Bible says she looked back. Now, there's something here I want you to understand. This is not the only time in Scripture that we have been instructed not to look back. If you remember, uh, uh, in Luke, we see that Jesus is telling his disciples, remember? I told you Luke 17, that, that chapter, he was teaching his disciples that we should not be looking back at the old things of the world and our old life when he has a better life awaiting us. In other words, he was telling them there, just like we see in Genesis, not to look back. Because we are longing for the life that we used to live. And now that we have received Jesus Christ, we have a new life. We are not the same anymore. If you still got your Bibles open and you want to flip to that 17th chapter, you look in verse 33. Uh, uh, It says there in Luke 17, 33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Folks, can I tell you this evening, there is danger in looking back. We can never go forward looking back. Now, I I can hear you. I I hear you. I hear you sitting there saying, Pastor, you just don't understand. You, You don't understand where I come from. You don't understand what I've been through. I, I had it good back then, man. I had it going on. I had money, and now I'm broke. But my response to you is, you're a new person in Christ, and you are a lie. But you don't understand, Pastor. I was coming out of it, man. I, 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 I you know, I had it. I, I, I had it coming for me. I thought I was on the right path. I was, you know, I was, I was coming up and now I'm down. But you're still alive. But pastor, I had more than enough then, And I didn't have to depend on anybody. Well, maybe you don't have enough now. And guess what? You're having to depend on God. But guess what? You're still alive. You're still alive. Yeah, you may have been hurt back then. In that old way you had, that old life you had. But what about the people that you hurt? I don't have time to dwell on yesteryear because God is calling us not to look back. And again, Jesus is letting us know that we need to give up our old ways, the things of our old life, and look to his ways for our lives. Cast out that old man and let that born-again man in Christ come out of you. Let that born-again man in Christ live to please our Father. Who is in heaven? Somebody might ask the question, Well, Pastor, what are you really trying to say here? Well, I'm going to put it to you the way that Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5:17. This is what Paul said. He said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, since we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior we have made a vow to follow him, to follow his lead, and not to long for the things of this world. We should look forward to the eternal things, and not worry so much about these earthly things. As disciples of Christ, the Bible tells us that we are pressed forward toward the mark that God has set before us, because when we're looking backward, how can you Walk forward. Have you ever tried to do that before? Get out in the middle of a prickly pear patch and commence to looking backwards and walking forwards and see what happens. I'll bet you it won't take you long to stop. You know why? You can't see where you're going when you're looking back. You know, sooner or later, if we're looking back, while trying to go forwards, we're going to run into some something, and I want you to you may say, Well, preacher, that's a pretty poor example, but I want you to understand how spiritual that is. How can you ever move forward in what God has for us now if we're still looking at what happened back calendars? Or how things used to be. This is what you need to be thinking about. It's a new season. It's a new day. You know, you've had a fresh anointing. You know, it's a new year. With new thoughts, with new ambitions, with new ideas, with a new attitude. The Lord wants to move us forward. I remember in the ninth chapter of Luke, and maybe you remember this story... When, when one, one of the men Jesus was talking to told him, I said, I want you to come follow me. And he said, hang on a minute, Jesus. Let me run to the house and say bye to mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa and my brothers and sister. And then I'll come follow you. And Jesus said it this way. He said, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus wants to look to the greater priorities that God has set for us and not, at the, not let the lesser priorities of this life cause us to look back on the way we were and to stop being so negative. You know, we get negative. We get negative about all sorts of things, you know, and we're always complaining. We always see the worst and think, well, I knew that's the way it was going to work out. Well, if you knew that God wasn't going to answer your prayer, why did you pray in the first place? I can tell you, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Just look at that young man, Jesus said, come follow me. And he said, no, I I, I need to go tell mama and daddy bye right quick. And what did Jesus tell you? Nope. Don't be looking back. Don't be looking back. If you know anything about plow, well, it didn't help me any. Oh, else well, my daddy told me, pick out something yonder. You know where yonder is, don't you? My daddy said, say, pick out something yonder and drive straight toward it. I'd get to the end and stop and look back, and good Lord, that looked like I'd fall in a snake. I tell you one thing, this country boy couldn't make a crooked row crooked, much less a straight row straight. But you know as well as I know if you've ever sat on a tractor and you're trying to plow straight and you're looking back, it ain't going to be straight when you get to the other end, is it? You see, we don't need to be looking back with a distorted view of where God has brought us from and compare that with where he has brought us to. You see, here God asks us not to look back because we can sometimes view our old life as the greatest life we ever had. But you know what we're doing? We're just losing ourselves. That's what we're doing. We're fooling ourselves. Let me give you just a perfect example of that. When we read about the children of Israel, they were in bondage there in Egypt, weren't they? And God delivered them out of the hands of bondage. And you remember, he parted the Red Seas and they went through on dry ground and the waters came back together and killed all the Egyptian army. But you know what they kept doing? They kept looking back at their old condition. They kept looking back where they came from. They believed they would have been better off if they would have stayed where they were and they were slaves, but they were too busy. Threatened. Looking back, they couldn't even see the things that God had done for them. They had cried out for freedom, and God had brought them out of bondage. Then, when they were out there, headed for the promised land, they cried out for food, and God provided for them. You remember they got thirsty; they wanted some some good water to drink. And you remember Moses took that staff, and he hit that rock. And out came the water. He didn't hit it once. He hit it three times. And that got him in a lot of trouble. But that's another sermon. But they forgot all of that. I need to tell someone in this room today, don't look back at your old life. Don't look back at your old ways. Don't look back at your old habits but look forward to the wonder that God has brought and has in store for us. And I know what you're sitting there thinking. I can hear you just playing this day up here. You're sitting there going, well, Mr. Presser, have you ever looked back? Yes, I have. I have looked back. But when I look back, I didn't look back on the things I had. I didn't look, look back at the lifestyle that I once possessed. But when I look back, my soul wonders how in the world I ever got out of there. Because there was a time that if God hadn't taken me out of where I was, There's no telling where I would be today. So if you look back, don't look back through the negative telescope lens. But when you look back, Look back upon what the Lord has done for you to get you where you are today. And thank Him even though you may be sitting there thinking, well, I am not where I should be. But you should be thanking Him that you are not where you used to be. And let me just drop this on you this evening. And that is this. Don't let the guilt of your past life keep you from reaping the wards of the new life you have in Jesus Christ. Don't get shackled by the things that you used to do because if you have asked the Lord to forgive you, and I'm talking about sincerely ask God, forgive me for the mistakes that I made, then he's already done it. We need to remember that Christ wife's washed us clean with his blood and the things that we have done wrong in the past have been forgiven and that we no longer need to worry about them surfacing because god's grace is with us remember that those things of your past and you may be sitting there thinking pastor you just don't know i've done some really ugly things well i have too we've all got skeletons in our closet but let me tell you something, they have been washed away and they can never be used to shame you again because that, that was done by the old man and you're not the same person in Christ anymore. I want you to understand that you have been forgiven. And if you have been forgiven, you ask God to forgive you and He's forgiven you, He's taken it away. For goodness sakes, live like you're forgiven, folks. You see Lot's wife look back, longing for her old life. But she don't realize that that old life was keeping her down. My question to you today is, will you let your old life be a hindrance to you as well? Are you letting your old life, are you longing for your old life? Is it keeping you down or are you using it to help you move forward? I like the way the writer of Hebrews says it. He put it this way. He says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You find that in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. With that scripture in mind, are you looking forward? Are you ready to move forward? Are you ready to quit looking back? You need to think about this. You need to tell yourself, I've come too far to turn around now. The Lord has been too good to me to look back now. I can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started from, and I want to keep going. Just don't look back, just keep moving forward. Because if you are in Christ, and you are living in Christ, you're not the same anymore. You're a new person. And a new person in Christ is moving forward, not looking back. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with, Father. We just thank you that we have this church to come to where we can spend time in your word, Father, singing praises to you, worshiping you, giving you all the glory and honor and praise. And Father, I thank you for each one that is here today, Father. I just pray that you watch over us, you care for us, that you direct us, that you keep us safe during this very challenging time, Father. Father, as we leave this place, I ask you to forgive us where we fail. Just guide and direct each step that we take, Father. Keep us ever mindful of your presence right there with us. That we're not walking alone, Father. That we have you by our side. Father, I just thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace. Your son that died on the cross. Father, so now we have eternal life. We can attain eternal life. Father, again, I want to lift up all of our prayer requests, all of those folks that have needs. Father, I pray for the folks that are not with us today, that they're safe, that you'll bring them back safely at the next appointed time. Father, just help us through this week ahead. In your son's name we pray. Amen.